Hey, everybody, and welcome to Finding Weird, a show where we explore what it is that floats our boats, tickles our fancies, and makes us wonderfully weird. My name is Eric, and today we're going to explore one of my personal favorite hobbies, Dungeons and Dragons. In part one, we'll talk about the origins and the history of Dungeons and Dragons from its meek beginnings in 1972 to the satanic panic of the 1980s and 90s, and to its recent resurgence and acceptance into mainstream culture through the proliferation of online media and different ways to play. In part two, I'll give some background of how I originally got started with the hobby and a little bit about my current playing. I'll include some of the reasons why myself and some of the people I play with think it's a great thing to try, and some of the feedback I've received from them as well as some of you. Part 1. I do want to give a little bit of a warning here that this is going to be an info dump of some history about the game and uh, the maker itself. If you are not one for history or you already know this part, feel free to skip ahead a little bit into part two. Uh, make sure you listen to the dad jokes first uh, and where you can hear about my part. But let's uh, go ahead and get into a little bit of this history. Like all great cheesy things, D&D finds its beginnings in Wisconsin. Created by a man named Gary Gygax and his comrade-in-arms, Dave Arneson, D&D began as a self-promoted and self-produced rule set that took the idea of miniature wargaming play and then zoomed in just a little bit further to focus on single-character play instead of taking care of an entire army. So, more specifically... Gygax created a fantasy rule set for miniature wargaming that he called Chainmail, which was combined with Arneson's idea for solo character play that he had already started developing for a game he was playing called Bronstein. So this pre-D&D mix-up was originally called The Fantasy Game. Obviously, they needed a better name for this, and so a lot of the sources say that when they originally wanted to find a new name for their game, they decided to ask Gygax's daughter, Cindy, to pick the name out from a couple of options. And she actually chose Dungeons & Dragons from the lot and said that she liked that one best. In terms of playing the game, the premise is actually fairly simple. So using the rule set that is provided, one creates a character and sets out on a story-driven adventure that's created and evolved primarily by someone called the Dungeon Master, this person is hopefully a neutral party and storyteller who responds to the decisions made by the characters and then provides the backdrop for the adventure. Now, some groups I've been in have designated dungeon masters, while others take turns rotating that responsibility amongst the group. During play, experience, or XP, is gained through overcoming obstacles or combat, sometimes for killing the monsters themselves and sometimes for finding neat ways to get around it. And using that experience, a character then develops through a leveling process, which gives them more skills and more abilities. Also, in-game monies and loot in the form of weapons, items, all sorts of things can be earned as well. And then you really just kind of rinse and repeat ad infinitum. In D&D's first decade of life, they saw two camps emerge— those who preferred the more rules-light, kind of basic or original D&D, and those who wanted something more structured and rule-intense, which became advanced D&D. 
The split goes to show that even at that time, in its infancy, D&D was already gaining traction amongst fans of the game, and they wanted to adapt and adjust so that they could maintain the kind of game that they wanted. It truly is a testament to the popularity. From the origins born of Gygax's Tactical Studies Rules Incorporated, D&D continued down this forked path of basic and advanced D&D throughout the 80s. As I mentioned before, there was this moral panic that happened in the 80s and 90s where multiple parent groups and religious groups started blaming D&D for having ties to Satanism. And at one time, even 60 Minutes decided to chime in on this and claim that the game had led to suicides of several young adults. In response, TSR decided to rename some of the monsters from Demon and Devil to custom names like Batazu and Tanari. These names have since been changed back in a lot of respects, but they still are in there today. Thankfully, hyper-focus from these groups has moved on to more things like video gaming and other online media in recent years, and so some of the heat has been taken off of D&D itself. But it should be noted that, in terms of research, Nothing's been able to show any causation between tabletop role-playing games and suicide, so don't let them scare you like that. In the late 90s, TSR eventually was going through some financial troubles, and the company itself was absorbed and purchased by a company called Wizards of the Coast. This was in 1997, and this is where the company's lived ever since. When you go looking for D&D content now, you'll see things from Wizards of the Coast. In terms of new additions... The third edition of the rule set was released in 2000, which sought to reunify the lines back into one codified work. So instead of having original and advanced, it now is just D&D third edition. They used this edition as a basis for something they called the Open Games License, or OGL for short, that then saw many other systems begin to be developed by other companies and groups. So if you play a game that may be based on a D20, which is a, a die that has 20 sides, it may be at least based at some point on this open games license version of D&D rules. An update to third edition called edition 3.5 was released in 2003 and sought to give more options to players and kind of shore up some of the issues that people were reporting as maybe needing a little help or a little updating. Fourth edition was released after three years of development in 2008. They then did this again when they made 5th edition, which is the most current iteration of the rules, and this was produced following two years of research and development. This edition has become the most successful edition to date in both sales and the proliferation of content. The release of online recorded and live sessions of D&D from both community normies like myself and celebrities has also increased its popularity from cult following to pop culture sensation. Just a small list of celebs here that are currently really out there in their playing of D&D. Uh, but you see Deborah Ann Wall and Joe Manganiello from HBO's True Blood, Vin Diesel, Stephen Colbert, Matt Mercer, who is a professional voice actor in his group with Critical Role, The Big Bang Theory, and then my personal favorite, Felicia Day and friends from The Guild. I actually got to meet her at a book signing in Cincinnati, and seriously, if you hear this, please call me. Thank you. Uh, sorry, honey. And now we'll pause for our D&D &D Dad Jokes of the Week. 
First up, what tool helps a wizard with writing the correct runes into their spellbook? Well, obviously a spell checker. Why is a necromancer not always a bad guy? Sometimes they just want to be left alone to raise a family in peace. And why was the gnome artificer embarrassed when his clockwork crocodile stopped working? Well, because he then had a reptile dysfunction. You're welcome. Part 2. My Own D&D Journey I've mentioned this before, but during my college years, I met a friend named Danny who was experienced with playing tabletop role-playing games for another rule system, and he invited me to play with some other friends from our music fraternity. I was instantly drawn to the cooperative storytelling and the creative side of this game. Now fast forward many years later, and I wanted to find that group storytelling experience again. I decided to follow my own advice and was on meetup.com, when I saw that there was this thing called Dungeons & Dragons that was being played via something called the Adventurers League in a game store that was by my house. For those who don't know, Adventurers League is an organized play structure that was created by Wizards of the Coast for D&D that allow both new and experienced players to play in a structured weekly drop-in or drop-out game session. Each week they release a small adventure, which you then play for that evening and come back the next week if you want, and continue playing out the story. These are typically tied in to whatever campaign they may be releasing, and kind of helps the players slowly check out that story, instead of maybe buying that entire adventure book themselves and doing it with a private group. During my Adventurers League experience, I met several people there who also played D&D in a more private home session, and they invited me to start playing together. Eventually, I also found out that some of my co-workers I was working with were already playing, and I then started playing in kind of multiple store and home games. I went a little bit D&D crazy, because once I started that storytelling itch, it really needed scratched. And so I also found some online games on Roll20, which is an online platform for tabletop role-playing games, and I played in some of those in between my store and home sessions. I'm sure my wife is thankful now that I play exclusively just with the coworker and friend group on a weekly basis. Here are five reasons why I and others like D&D. First and foremost, it's a cooperative game. It's party-based, and there is no beating the game or winning necessarily. You might win a battle, you might overcome a puzzle, you may lie, cheat, romance, or talk your way out of combat or a situation, but games can continue to develop for years if the group wants. There are even groups, and you can find these articles online, that have been running since the game's inception. 30, 40-year games of D&D. I originally asked the people in my home group what they wanted me to get across about D&D. One of them said that D&D is a social-based game, And so for them, they struggled to interact naturally with others, but they found that if they're playing another persona, it actually allows them to get out of their own head a little bit and puts them in situations that they've never even considered before. And especially during the pandemic, this has been one of her main social outlets to help her get her through the social isolation. 
Another one of the players points out that the game's meant to not be taken seriously, although surprisingly there can and will be both emotionally charged and serious moments. As with any game, humans process the world around them and their stressors through play, so D&D can be a catharsis of sorts from some of our worldly woes and stress. As for my current Dungeon Master, she said there can be a surprising amount of self-discovery in a fun game of roleplay. She likened being in a good group who plays well together as kind of like a meal bringing something separate to the table. And when it works, she said it could be, quote, the most perfect Thanksgiving meal I have never had because I hate Thanksgiving. I'm going to have to forgive her for that, uh, maybe over time. But Thanksgiving is amazing, and I love eating food, so she and I will have to uh, address that. The final thing I kind of want to say is that if you've ever had that itch to kind of write your own story, or you like creating stories with others, D&D can be incredibly rewarding. Whether you're someone who likes controlling the character in the story, or you want to be the dungeon master who sets that stage for the other players, creative effort is shared and can be mutually beneficial. And I kind of liken it to thinking about it as a live, living, choose-your-own-adventure book. I loved those things as a kid, and honestly still love them as an adult, though I try to cheat less now that I know better. I do want to mention a few things that you need to watch out for with D&D. As with any of our hobbies, safety really does come first. Make sure that you know who you're playing with and where you're playing, and make sure that you're aware that there are definitely some unsafe people out there, so try to vet who you're going to be spending your time with. You are also going to come across people who, I guess in a lot of terms, we put quote-unquote that guy as a title, they are someone who is unable to share the spotlight in a cooperative story. Just know that D&D groups are like any consumable product, though, so if you don't like it, try another group. I always encourage everyone to talk to that person themselves, or maybe talk to the dungeon master of that group and see if you can mediate what may be happening, but just know that you can always leave if you need to. Also, if you're already a fan of professionally produced D&D content, uh, I do warn you, please don't compare yourself or the people that you're playing with to the professional actors who play and run D&D. So there's something called the Matt Mercer effect, and it's called this because he's a professional voice actor, and his group of Critical Role and Vox Machina and their other groups as they go through these uh, campaigns, they... Always have people going, man, I wish my game could be like this. But they are professional voice actors or professional movie and TV actors. So you're just probably not going to be able to maintain that level of creativity and voices and uh, cohesion that they may have because they've been working in a professional medium like this for a very long time. It doesn't have to be perfect. And lastly, on that note... Remember that D&D is just a game, so don't ruin a friendship by being an asshole in this game. I have experienced this personally before, and it sucks. There are people I no longer talk to because of the way they've reacted when playing, and this is a hobby where you are choosing the social interaction, and it's supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to be relaxing. If they are going against that for you, to me, it's just not really worth my time or energy. 
And so I've actually made healthier decisions by stepping away from that. It's just not something I need in my life. So you've heard the history. You've heard my own take on it. You've heard horrible D&D dad jokes about it. So here are five easy ways that you can get involved with the new hobby of Dungeons & Dragons. One of the best places to look is your friendly local game store. I mentioned that there are things like Adventurers League or scheduled games that they have. They have a lot of people there with a lot more experience who can show you the products that you might want to buy, who may be willing to show you the products that they have already purchased prior to you spending. So again, like we talked about in Finding a New Hobby, talk to those experts and figure out what maybe the barriers to entry may be for D&D. You can also go to meetup.com. I just typed in my city's name and tabletop role-playing, and there were numerous games that were out there. I personally chose one that was close to my home and featured a public space being the gaming store so that there wasn't a perceived safety issue or safety risk there. I knew that I could walk in, check it out, see what other people were doing, and if I didn't like it, I could always just leave. You can also go out and purchase the books themselves. If you're wanting to create your own story, the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and the Monster Manual. Player's Handbook obviously tells you how to be a player, has all the options for making a character. The Dungeon Master's Guide has extra information about being that storyteller and how to lead the game. And the Monster's Manual is just that, a big old section of monsters and what all of their stats are so you know how to roll for them and how to be a monster and use them in your games. There are also additional adventures and campaigns that both Wizards of the Coast has launched, as well as people like Critical Role and Matt Mercer, and a bunch of things online through Drive Through RPG, which is a wonderful website if you're ever looking for additional content for D&D and you just want to try some new things out. There are people that put content on there for both purchase as well as pay what you want, and just straight up free that you can use in your games to keep it kind of fresh and fun. One of the easiest ways to get in is Wizards of the Coast, with their release of the 5th edition, released a starter kit. It has an initial adventure in it. I believe it goes from character levels 1 through 5, and it gives you everything that you would need basic rules starters. It even has pre-generated characters. So if you don't want to make your own character and you just want to have a game sheet and be like, okay, I'm I'm ready to go. You and friends can go in. I I think it's right around $15 uh, at the current moment. And so you guys can just experiment with that. Buy a $15 box set, decide who's going to be the DM and just play through the adventure. See if you like it. And if you don't, you're only out about 15 bucks. And honestly, you can sell them online to other people who want the box set. And so you can kind of even make some of your money back. The fourth way I would recommend is to look at those online resources I mentioned, like Roll20. There's also one called Fantasy Grounds. And there's even newer ones popping up, like Astral, just to name a few of them. You can also play by post on online forums. This is something that before these virtual tabletops popped up, a lot of people were doing. They are a slower pace, but they give a lot of time for thought and the ability to write out responses and what your character might do instead of being in person where you may feel a little put on the spot. And the final way I would say is really just ask around. 
someone you know probably is already playing or know someone who does play. My personal group welcomes new players, and we're always willing to craft like beginner stories or beginner adventures to show new people the ropes. Even my current campaign that we're in right now, out of a max of kind of 20 recommended levels for characters, we're already sitting at 15, 16 one of our players always swears that he's two levels above. I, I don't know. I think we're at 15. Um, so we're already kind of like three quarters of the way through leveling and we still would welcome a brand new player at the table. We'd help you create a character that's already that high level, which would probably have so many options, uh, to do that it would kind of overwhelm someone, but we would be more than happy to do that at our table. And there are groups out there who are willing to give you the time of day and say, just come out here and see what happens. If you hate it, that's fine. You don't have to come back, but we'd love to have you. I hope that that gives you a little bit more info into the hobby of Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role-playing games. And I just want to thank you for being here for episode six of Finding Weird. So I do want to give a shout out to my personal home D&D group who gives me the means of escaping my real world into a world where sometimes I'm finally cool. I, I do really want to thank all of you so much. I believe most of them listen to this podcast because they're also just really supportive people in general. And I just want to say you guys are some of the reasons why I'm able to get through the work week. If you have feedback, questions, or you just want to share your own personal experience of Dungeons & Dragons or tabletop role-playing games, please email me at findingweirdpodcast at gmail.com. I love hearing personal stories, personal woes, hilarity that happens at the table, because even when you try to make a serious game, humor naturally happens to relieve that stress, and so some pretty funny stuff can happen with you and your friends. If you do want to hear more episodes of the podcast, you can also head over to findingweird.buzzsprout.com where you can see some of the other episodes that we have listed. You can follow me on Instagram at findingweirdpodcast where we are still rapidly approaching 100 followers. I have tons of weird and interesting people on there, some safe and not safe for work, that I am following, so please uh, use your own discretion. But you can count on finding something new and interesting to try out. If you're already following me on there, again, I just want to thank you, and please just keep sharing the show with other people as you're able so that we can try to find more people. I also recently just created a new Facebook page and group, Finding Weird Podcast and the group Finding Weirdos, where you can follow us and participate in our growing community of weird and not-so-weird folks. And again, if you find somebody who's looking for new hobbies or just likes being weird, I'd love to talk to them. I say this every week, but again, I would be very grateful if you could take the time to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice so that we can continue reaching more people. There are no new reviews this week, so be sure if you want to get yours out there, you'll get a free shout out from me. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to throw a shekel or two my way, you can go to buy me a coffee and search for Finding Weird Podcast. Once there, you can show your support for the show in either a one-time or recurrent patronage. Members are going to get exclusive perks, and I'm always kind of on the lookout for ways to provide meaningful rewards and thanks to those people who are willing to support the show. 
All of these links are going to be in the show notes and the new link tree uh, that I created. So check that out. I do want to let you guys know that for next week, I'm going to be joined by at Treasures Around Us, an author, YouTuber, and podcaster, as we're going to go live on Instagram TV. That's right. You get to see my fugly face on your screen uh, where I, we are going to talk about mental health and how being both happy and weird works to keep us sane. That episode's going to be happening live on Wednesday, September 15th on Instagram TV instead of a recorded episode that week. So please come out and join us. This will be my first time doing this, so there's bound to be some hilarity. And feel free to comment and uh, screen grabs or something of my horrible faces that I make. So we're going to be doing this and more while I desperately try to convince everyone that weird is the new wonderful. I'll see you there. Thanks. Thanks.